There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This episode of Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by Kitten Mittens, one size fits all. Instead, it's brought to you by CrimeCon. That's right, CrimeCon 2018. We're going to be there. We really want to meet you and see you and provide you with amazing programming and I don't know, whatever. Anyway, it's in Nashville this year. And if you want tickets, please go to crimecon.com and use the promo code SIDEWAYS for 10% off your purchase, which is amazing. It's good. It's a good deal. And we really look forward to seeing you guys there. Um, I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. I really want to meet you guys and have fun with you guys. CrimeCon.com, promo code sideways. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm Joe, joined as always by... Devin. And... Steve. And uh, this week it's time for another fascinating mystery. We're going to talk about what they call in the Philippines the Michael Myring mystery. Michael Myring was a shadowy person, and uh, well, nobody knows exactly what he was, or, or you know, because he claimed to be a treasure hunter. Some people thought mm, he might have been something else, like maybe a terrorist or a CIA operative. Mm, well, we'll tell you everything you need to know, and you can make up your own mind. Oh, and by the way, I want a quick aside. I want to thank Landon, who suggested this. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, if you are a dude, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but thanks, Landon. Uh, so let me uh, start from the beginning here. Um, the date was May 16, 2002. So yeah, this is an oldie, turn-of-the-century story. 
Uh, yeah. You remember the turn of the century? I do. Yeah, yeah. Things were a lot different. Cars looked a little different. They did. Hair was longer or maybe shorter. I don't remember. Both. Was it both? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cell phones Hair were was different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hair was different. Cell phones. Remember cell yeah. phones? Yeah. They were big. Uh, <laughs> Literally, they were big. They were. <laughs> they did start out kind of big. Okay. Um, so May 16, 2002, there was an explosion in room 305 at the Evergreen Hotel in Davao, Mindanao, the Philippines. Uh, so as you know, Mindanao is that big island at the south end of the archipelago that is the Philippines. Uh, and Davao was a big city there. And uh, there had been other terrorist bombings which had recently been taking place across the Philippines. Uh, and there was a, a big one uh, just three weeks before that killed 15 people. Wounded 55, so a lot of bombing going on. People are a little bit on edge. So naturally, understandably, yeah, understandably. So there's an explosion in room 305 at the hotel. Uh, was occupied by a man named Michael Terrence Myring, who was an American oncologist. Uh, that's a, a cancer doctor. For those yeah. who don't know, uh, he'd been a regular guest at this hotel for the past eight to ten years. He'd been spending a lot of time in the Philippines since the early 1990s. And on his most recent visit, he checked into the Evergreen Hotel December 14th, 2001, several months before. That's, yeah, it's like six months before, right? Yeah, four months before, you know, yeah. I guess six months. Yeah, so well, he seemed five. to frequent the same hotels. There was, he I did. think it was like three different hotels that he liked to, to stay at. Yeah. Depending he, on where he was. Yeah, and he spent like somewhere from six to eight months a year in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So he was a regular at these places. I'm surprised he didn't try to find like timeshares. I was just going to say that. I was going to say, why or not? Or even just buy a house. Why not? Yeah, rent an apartment. You know? Yeah, for the exchange rate, from what I know, the exchange rate in the Philippines, like you can, it doesn't take very much American dollars to live like a king. Yeah. In the Philippines, so I don't know why. Built in yeah. housekeeping? I mean, you could hire a housekeeper for pretty cheap there. I don't know. I'm just, I'm guessing maybe he just decided it was easier not to. I have maybe. no idea why he was doing it this yeah. way. He might have been a commitment phobe. Uh-huh. Or, yeah. yeah, or he might have been he might have been one of these people, like my dad was kind of this way, who just didn't want to buy into real estate because he was sure the bubble was going to burst. Mm-hmm. My dad was totally right about that. He was just off by you know, several decades. Sure. <laughs> it did happen, but it did happen. I mean, if you yeah. maintain that for long enough, it will eventually be true. Oh, it's totally true, yeah. Okay. Well, whatever the reasons, he was staying at this hotel. Uh, so, of course, there had been a big kaboom. The police paramedics show up. They found that Myring was pretty mangled. His legs were really badly mangled. Unfortunately, mm. they had to be amputated. So uh, they, they were amputated. Because some were. of the stories just talk about how they were, he was kind wounded and burned. Messed up, yeah. Once one version I read that only one leg was amputated, but okay. most most of the the more authoritative ones, like in the Manila Times, etc., said both legs were amputated. Okay, so we'll go with that. All right, I just want to clarify because uh, I was uh, I was never sure. No, it is hard to tell. Yeah, and was uh, it just his legs that were injured, or was the rest of his body injured? Oh, he got yeah some some big third degree burns okay. over a lot of the rest of his body. So too. pretty much what you would expect by somebody being caught off guard by their room exploding. Uh-huh, yeah, okay. yeah, pretty much, yeah. So he was taken to the Davo Doctor's Hospital, which is where his legs were amputated. Uh, but before he lost consciousness, he told police that somebody had lobbed a grenade into his room. But then later on, when the police bomb experts took a close look at the scene, well, the evidence to them looked like the blast was from a bomb and not a grenade. And Myring had had two metal boxes that he kept in his room, and it looked like the bomb had actually been inside one of those boxes. Hmm. So, hmm, curious, right? And, well, here's where the story thickens a little bit. While Myring was in the hospital in Davos, some FBI agents came by to ask him some questions. This is where it gets controversial. According to some sources, local police who were there guarding Myring tried to stop the FBI from getting into his room, but the FBI, guy, the FBI guys apparently were uh, kind of bullying, and they just basically insisted on going in and talking to him. 
uh, and then they took Myring out of the hospital, flew to another hospital in Manila, which is, of course, at the far other end of the Philippines. Of course. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And then after, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly when this happened, He, Myring left the country. Apparently, according to some people, the FBI spirited Myring out of the Philippines and back to the U.S. Apparently, he was taken to San Diego, uh, ostensibly, to quote a, a famous podcaster person. <laughs> Uh, it was for more advanced treatments than what he could get in the Philippines. So here's yeah. the, but okay. When I read this stuff about this and I was reading this stuff that, oh gosh, which U S government organization, I, I want to say it's the state department, but it probably isn't whoever mm -hmm. it was. They were like, oh yeah, no, they went there with police officers, local police officers in tow to comply uh -huh. with the rules. Like yeah. they, they, you know, their accounting well, of it is that they followed the book and the locals were with them and totally is, fine with that it. That is what the U.S. government says, yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah and so there's a, there's a lot of conflicting accounts in this one. I think that probably they did they did obey the rules. You know, the FBI that says that they, they, they had a, a liaison with the Philippine National Police. They totally cooperated and coordinated with them. So that's, what, that's how they put it. Um, but, not to disparage the Philippine police. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is something you always say before you can disparage someone. Exactly. Um, yeah. But you know, I in my talkings with people from the Philippines, which I've had actually have had extensive talkings yeah. with people from the Philippines. Mm. Um, most of their citizens generally feel like the police are pretty corrupt, uh -huh. and it doesn't take very much to get them to do what you want. Uh -huh. So you know, whether or not the FBI or you know the U.S. officials were complying, or they had paid them off, or maybe they hadn't paid them off, and so the police were like, "Hey, you didn't follow the protocol. Uh -huh. You didn't pay us off. What's going on?" Yeah. And then, you know later reported that they had they had been done without their consent. Mm -hmm. There's just so much to not know about it. Yeah, yeah there is. It's just uh, that's not, there's once again something to be said for impartial, uh, law-abiding mm -hmm. law enforcement. You know? And yeah. I'll just add that if I had gotten my legs blown off and third-degree burns all over my body in a foreign country, I'd be super thankful for my government coming and taking me home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good point. You yeah. know, so, it, you know, yeah, know. It's a whole question. The whole question here is, is not so much that they did it, but why they did it. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's you could ask for it. Yeah. Uh, might have been, um, but uh, but back to the the bomb scene. It looked like the bomb, according to the Philippine police, was mostly like most likely an improvised type. Initially, they concluded dynamite, but then after that, they decided it was some other higher tech explosive, like ammonium nitrate, which had ammonium nitrate in it. They found traces of ammonium nitrate. Isn't um, that the same thing that uh, was in Oklahoma City? In that yeah, same kind that, of bomb, that essentially, was a component. yeah, it's a fertilizer bomb for yeah. I mean, that's one simplest way to, terms. That's one way to get your ammonium nitrate. You don't have to use fertilizer right. like they did there. You can actually get more purified versions of it. But yeah, you combine your ammonium nitrate with uh, some fuel oil, and voila, you've got a nice, unstable explosive. Well, my my yeah. reason for saying it was kind of like I was thinking that it had to be something akin to a fertilizer bomb. Is he is in the Philippines? And fertilizer is probably easy to get a hold of. Oh, sure. The higher yeah. tech stuff, maybe not so much. Yeah, and there are, and it, it, this is the whole range. You can improvise something with fertilizer and diesel, or there's some more higher tech stuff that also uses ammonium nitrate. Same kind of similar thing, mm -hmm. but it's True. a more refined process, and it's a, it's a better explosive. But I, you know, uh, but as far as what he had there, was it improvised or was it you know high tech stuff? I'm not totally sure. Uh, but of course. Uh, if Myring did have himself a bomb, uh, which it appeared that he did, that's illegal in mm -hmm. the Philippines even. So that made him kind of a wanted man. 
And of course, at this by this point, he's out of the Philippines. Uh, they wanted him back. They they actually filed charges against him in the Philippines, but the U.S. government did nothing to return him. And instead, Myron lives out the rest of his days here in the U.S., uh, maybe in his hometown of Cala Mesa, California, although there was one report that he'd been seen in Texas. But it doesn't really matter because apparently he's died since. I think he died in 2012 because I believe he was about 66 when this bombing happened. So, you know, 76, you know, plus take off a couple of years for having your body burned and your yeah. legs blown off, you know. You know, so that's not outrageous. Uh, the controversy didn't die. Uh, two weeks after the bombing, the mayor of Davo, uh, Rodrigo Duterte, a guy who likes to scream. Uh, yeah, he's kind of he's he's kind of bombastic. I would say one way of putting it. Uh, he went public. He reminds me of another certain politician in our country. A little bit, but a lot worse, in my opinion. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, yeah, not gonna, but, I'm not going to I'm not going to make judgments. Yeah, but he went public and blasted the U.S. government for taking Myring out of the country. Uh, he accused the CIA of conducting a false flag operation in the Philippines. Explain to folks what's a false flag operation. False, yeah, a false flag is where you uh, commit some sort of you usually some sort of a crime or an operation, but you make it look like some other country has done it. Ah. So the idea is here would be like, well, okay, we'll plant some bombs and we'll blame it on some Muslim separatist group. And then if we do that, then public opinion in the Philippines will turn against these guys. And then the national government will adopt uh, a policy that's more anti-Muslim, which is what Engineering we want. a situation against yeah, these people. Yeah, I got yeah, it. Okay. Yeah. And so um, in, in this telling, uh, Myring was an agent of the CIA. He was running this operation which is why the U.S. got him out of the country so quickly. Uh, Duterte was very angry about this situation. He threatened unspecified violence towards the FBI if he, they ever came back to Davo again. Ooh. I know. Huh? He, uh, he's, that's the kind of guy he is, actually. He's actually. He actually claims to have killed people in his drug war. This, this is the same guy. He's obviously president of the Philippines today, yes. if you don't know that. Uh, he, did, does, he does claim in the past to have actually summarily executed people who were caught with drugs. Oh, yeah, no, the, they had the, a, the, I can't remember who it is. Some human rights group is totally in arms because you get caught with drugs, essentially they're, they're just taking you out. Uh -huh. And the number of deaths, uh, capital punishment-style deaths, had just skyrocketed once he came into office. Oh, yeah. Well, like, to an absurd rate. Well, it began long before he was president. I mean, when he was mayor of Davo, he cleaned up, quote-unquote, the situation down there, and uh, the same thing happened. There were, there were what they called death squads. At least there were some accusations that there were death squads killing people outright uh, all over the place then. And, and, and apparently the Philippine people liked his style of after they went ahead and made him president. You know? Uh, so whatever, you know, they're, they're entitled to elect whoever they want yeah. to. But this might explain why U.S.-Philippines re relations have gone downhill if this particular incident is what soured Duterte so much on the United States and our relationship with the Philippines. Um, I'm not sure if it is or not. Maybe he was already kind of anti-American and this was just an excuse. I don't know. And I don't know when he made this speech. This was May 30th, 2002, just two weeks after the, the explosion. I don't know if he had any, had any special knowledge of the situation or if he'd just been reading the newspapers like everybody else, but he was mad. I mean, you, you read that article, right? Yeah. Did he strike you as angry? Uh, he strikes me as angry constantly. Well, there's that. That's, that's why I said that earlier. Yeah. That, He's that always mad. Yeah, but, uh, but that's why this is still controversial and still a mystery because who exactly was Michael Myring and just what exactly was he up to? So that's what we're going to figure out here. Ostensibly, oops, there, you, there goes that there word again. again. I know. He was a citizen of South Africa who emigrated to the U.S. and was naturalized towards the end of the apartheid era. Uh, as I said before, he was an oncologist. He was Caucasian? 
Yeah, he was. Okay. And uh, supposedly he was affiliated with the African National Congress, although I'm not too sure about that. I mean, there's in this story you read that he was affiliated with all kinds of groups, as I'm sure yeah. you're aware. Uh, very disparate groups, I would say. He's also been accused of being affiliated with another group of people who were like white supremacists and Nazis back in the U.S., which is kind of antithetical to the whole African National Congress thing, when you think about it. But there is one story that was told by his, a friend of his named David Hawthorne, uh, who said that Myring told him once that he'd given a box of old U.S. federal notes to the South African government after apartheid. So this is after Nelson Mandela became president of South Africa. Mm-hmm. He made them a gift of... This box of notes had, according to Myring, $500 million in it. Wow. wow. I know, a lot of money. That's old bank notes. I don't know how big the denominations were. I did a little checking. And I know back in the day, they used to print bills as large as $10,000 in denominations. Wait, where, where's Myring saying he got the money from? Well, that's a little hazy. This is, uh, he's, a, again, a treasure hunter. Because um, I see you've got information here about dates and, and types of bills, and so I'm trying to figure out, it's not like he just went down to the bank and made a cash withdrawal. No, no, okay. not at all, not at all. And these were, these were old bank notes, of course. The, I don't, I'm not sure what the biggest, the biggest denomination is today. Is it 500? They're still making a, they're still making a $500 bill, right? I, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. use them very yeah, often. None of us are rich enough to know that. <laughs> no, I know. It's, Let uh, me just open my wallet. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, but, but again, back in the day, they used to make them a lot bigger. $10,000. Yeah, $10,000 yeah, 10, bucks was the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. So assuming that this box with 500 million bucks in it uh, was in $10,000 denominations, my back of the envelope calculation is that that would be 110 pounds. Okay. So that's a lot of bucks. And of course, you know... It's, you know, smaller, smaller denominations, denominations becomes a pallet full. Yeah, I mean, my calculation is that if um, if it was $100 bills, it would weigh a little over a ton. So, heavy okay. box. But as, as for where he got these, well, this is the Philippines, you know, Yamashita's gold and all that stuff. Hey, you pronounced it right this time. I don't know, I don't know. But this, was, this box was one of 12, uh, which would mean about $6 billion. And again, as you asked, where did he get it? Well... Uh, it could have been from ships. I mean, because Myring, of course, was looking for Yamashita's gold. And uh, if what he said about those 12 boxes of cash is true, then it sounds like he found part of it. Because yeah. as we all know, uh, the Japanese in World War II and before World War II were looting East Asia of everything. They would go to the banks and, I'm sure, carry away all the banknotes. Mm-hmm. Everybody's jewelry, their silver candelabra, and you know their rings, their gold coins, silver coins, everything. Right. Jewels. And that was Yamashita's gold, and supposedly just about all of it wound up in the Philippines. And we've actually covered that story. We talked about this story, yeah, Yamashita. many years ago, actually. It was it was yeah, a while back. A it was a couple of years now. ago, yeah. Uh, and of course, as if you listen to that episode, as you know, towards the end of the war, there was some effort to transport all that stuff back to Japan because it did look like the Philippines were going to fall to the uh, to the Allies, and so. Uh, it had to be transported back to Japan. So what to send it on? Well, ships and submarines, of course. And there are apparently, around Mindanao, there are a lot of sunken ships and submarines. So it's kind of uh, worth taking a look at them, I suppose. So that might be where he found it. If, sure. if they've got a ship or something that's got these crates of cash, and he's found this thing and salvaged these crates, okay, that could be one potential source of it. Or maybe he was just BSing. I don't know. Uh, it could be that, too. In fact, I'm kind of betting on that. But, yeah. Um, That'd have to be sealed really well to well, have survived underwater. 
Uh, not necessarily. My understanding about the way things work is uh, underwater is that uh, you can leave it down there as long as you want. It's the process. When you bring it back to the surface, you got to manage that process kind of carefully. And or, that, or that process of, of desalinization yeah. and separation and drying is time-consuming and right. expensive. Oh yeah. Otherwise, it just it turns to dust. Yeah. And it, so that's why I'm that's why I'm curious about that part. But well. well it, might have been something else too i mean there's uh, not just on ships it could have been buried in a cave somewhere okay yeah it also could have explained why maybe you know maybe he knew where it was he had you know a friend who was guarding it Uh lived on a boat above it or something like that he brought you know one box up at a time yeah and it was a very slow process it would explain why he was staying at kind of a crappy hotel because he didn't actually have the money money. yet you know okay Mm -hmm. i can okay yeah behind that yeah maybe that's it i don't know um but uh, that's our. That's so far the the only treasure we know for sure that he found, and we're pretty sure he didn't actually find that. Either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, uh, he also had supposed, supposedly partnered up with the Manila-based group of people. This, you see a lot of this in this story. There's this shadowy group of people who aren't exactly named, and you don't exactly find out. But these are the ones that I said had links to this white supremacist group back in the U.S. Mm. and also to the neo-Nazi party of the United States. And I'm not sure why he joined up with these people. Um, it might be he needed capital. Or maybe they just had information they needed, or maybe they just were like the mob and they just muscled in on the operation. Maybe they were the only ones who know how to desalinate money. It could be that too. They might have had some skills. They They've got needed. a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a you know another thing. There was some uh, some some uh, messages between him and this uh, this demolition expert, uh, where the demolition expert was talking about him them handling this situation he described. Which sounds to me like the guy was talking about maybe unexploded, dealing with unexploded ordnance. Mm. Which, if you're salvaging a, a warship that's sunken, there's probably going to be some bombs and artillery shells oh, and yeah. stuff like that on yeah. board that ship. Yeah. Hell, to this day, they're still finding mines in Britain oh, yeah. in backyards that oh, have yeah. been buried. Oh, yeah. Or not mines, but uh, bombs. Un- uh, yeah, bombs. Yeah, unexploded bombs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they find them all the time. I mean, still. And, uh, and so you got to be real careful with that stuff, obviously. Uh, according to the same guy I mentioned, David Hawthorne, before, was a friend of Myring's. Myring was afraid of his new partners, these shadowy Manila-based people. Uh, he said to Hawthorne uh, that his life was in danger, and that's Myring's life, and that it had something to do with the treasure. It was kind of vague stuff. But So the question, of course, is why didn't he leave the country? Well, apparently he wanted to get his treasure before he left the country, maybe. Me too. I, I don't know. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I suppose I'd risk my life for that kind of cash. I mean, why not? I might, yeah. Yeah, I probably would. Uh, or I'd risk somebody's life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely your life, for sure. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> no, I'd risk yeah. your life. <laughs> oh, I know you would. That, yeah. That's okay. I don't Great. mind. But uh, It yeah, doesn't so, make sense, though. What's that? This, this whole he's recovering all of this treasure because why he's, was he giving it away? Well, that's it. I mean, you know, why would you, if you've only recovered one crate of cash <laughs> and you turn around and you give it to Nelson Mandela, uh, I'm sorry. That's not what... Who was a great guy, by the way, and, oh, sure. and deserved it. But if uh, it's all your money, <laughs> uh, it's your operating capital, that's that a problem. does not make a lot of sense to me either. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a selfish guy. I would keep it for me. Of course, maybe it was a bad batch, you know. Oops, we brought this up wrong, and it's, it's all turned to crap, so I'm going to generously give it to somebody else. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's a tax deduction. <laughs> yeah. no, look, at, look at all this. Yeah, yeah. So that's what he's supposedly doing. He's looking for treasure. And came back, like I said, to Davo in mid-December 2001. Um, and uh, as I said before, he always stayed at the Evergreen Hotel. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he showed up the last time I checked in, he brought these two large metal boxes with him. When we're talking large. I don't know how large. 
Bigger I mean, than a bread box? Uh, a little bigger than a bread box, I think, but, you but know, still, small, smaller than a refrigerator. Still big yeah. enough or small enough that somebody could carry it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. they, were, they were. I got the impression that he kept files in there, like like information on his. I was oh, so like banker's boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah about that. Hand, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, thinking about that size. Like that size. Okay. Yeah. but I've never seen a picture of them, so I can't tell you. Sure. I mean, actually, they kind of got blown up anyway. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but these were padlocked, and they were. He told three different hotel employees that the boxes should not be touched, not at all. And apparently, these must have been the room cleaners. And apparently, he said that to them repeatedly. He said, "Hey, whatever you do, don't touch those boxes." Don't even touch them. And and actually, I think that this is not a rumor because these three people actually signed affidavits stating this. So, yeah. And that's probably one of the few solid pieces of information we've got to work with here. So there's something about them boxes that was important. Other than that, we don't know much about what he was doing. Uh, Myring was busted about a week before the bomb went off for passing counterfeit U.S. cash. And as a result of this, his hotel room was searched by police. And in another telling of the story, Philippine intelligence had an eye on him because... They were suspicious because he kept bringing in these metal boxes into his hotel. So, so there were a lot more. Uh, I don't know if he was bringing them and then taking them out and bringing them back or whatever. Oh, I see. Okay. They were like yeah. the equivalent of his briefcases. Sure. Yeah, he didn't have. I don't think more than two at a time, and they were probably the same ones. But maybe he he was swapping them. But but again, we don't know that this is true. Either no. either that his, either the part about his arrest or them well, the, keeping uh, an eye the on the part him. about him getting caught with the counterfeits and the police coming by and looking over his place apparently is true. That seems to be documented, but I'm not a hundred percent even okay. sure about even that. All right. And then I said Duterte did complain about the search because apparently Michael Myring was not totally cooperative when the police showed up to search his room. Most people aren't, though. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be. Well, yeah. Well, they searched his room. Apparently, they didn't find the steel boxes, uh, mm-hmm. so he must have moved them. Uh, he might have moved them to the bathroom because apparently he wouldn't let the police search the bathroom. When the police expressed an interest in the bathroom, he said, no, you can't go in there. It's out of order. I've got a red North Face bag in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a corpse in it. And uh, You can't go in. Yeah, I love, I love I it. I had chili last night. You don't want to go in there. Yeah. It's out of order. Yeah, yeah, I know. Whatever whatever. apparently that, or maybe he slipped him some money. I don't know. But I do know where I'm keeping my murder weapons and all my contraband. I'm keeping it in my bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, of course. At least if I'm living in the Philippines. And as we all know, about a week after that, he was nearly killed in that explosion in his room. Uh, some of the things they found in the wreckage, besides bits and pieces of the bomb, uh, they also found some pieces of old U.S. currency, kind of like those old banknotes we were talking about. So, now, was there all, this, is, this is where I want to ask a question about counterfeit money, because I thought that counterfeit cash or remnants of counterfeit cash had also been found in the room post-explosion. Mm. Am I correct in that, or am I wrong? There are some accounts about that. Yeah, okay. it was remnants of counterfeit Okay, cash. again, the, the reporting on this one is just so slapdash. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, they also found uh, an ID card from the Moro National Liberation Front. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of those guys. What of if course. we haven't? Uh, well, if you haven't, well, the MNLF is a group that's they're part of the Muslim separatist movement in the Philippines. Okay. Yeah, so they're as a group that's part of the Muslim separatist movement in the Philippines. The, this ID card had Michael Myring's name and photograph on it, along with a birth date, September 17th, 1935, which would make him about 66 when he got blown up. And what, do, what was he doing with that card, you ask? Oh, well, I don't know. Well... I, um, my question is, why do they even make ID cards? Uh, that I don't know either. That's a good question. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of like a classified as a terrorist organization? Well, they they no. not they weren't uh, they, they weren't, weren't covert. Yeah, they weren't as extreme as some of the other organizations. Like there's a few others. Like uh, another Abu Sayyaf is is another group that's sort of advocating for a separate Muslim state in the Philippines. 
and they are classified as a terrorist organization because, okay. well, they use a lot of violence for one thing. Yeah. And they're advocating actual separatism and a Sharia state and everything. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of um, acronyms. Yeah. Things in this story, so oh, sorry, kind of are. I didn't mean to say that they were terrorists, but no. So, but it, it, I yeah, I still don't understand necessarily why. I, yeah, they well actually the the government um, signed a peace agreement with the the separatists in I think 1996, yeah. and they, they established essentially mm-hmm. established gave them some limited regional autonomy. I see. Okay. And uh, and okay. so they were more or less. It was probably the equivalent of you know kind of like a passport to get into their territory. Gotcha, well, it gotcha. might it might have been a way to yeah to be in the, the territory uh, at least unmolested you know travel yeah. you know it, it, this certifies that the you know the local government knows you're there and it's okay. Yeah, know? they're equivalent of the TSA has said this guy's fine, he's good, let him in and out as he pleases. That could be what it was. I'm not really sure. He okay. could have just gone out of the local quickie mart and got himself a fake ID. Gotcha. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but, and, but also, besides this, this did raise a few eyebrows, of course, but apparently this came out in the press. Apparently, Myring had some shady connections to some other groups as well. Uh, according to the Manila Times, uh, he had ties with, of course, all sorts of government officials in Mindanao, which is where Davo is, of course, and also the Philippine National Police, which are kind of like their FBI, I guess. Uh, and, of course, the MNLF, as I said, but also the MILF, the M-I-L-L-F, <laughs> uh, the M-I-L-F, uh, which is the Moral Islamic Liberation Front. They're like the MNLF, but they're, they're actually more religious versus secular. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Abu Sayyaf, as I said, who are hardcore, these guys are affiliated with ISIS. Okay. They're considered the Filipino chapter of ISIS. Uh, and then, of course, also the New People's Army, which is uh, the communist guy, the, the communist insurgency in the Philippines. So all these different things, it's like alphabet soup. It's you, like, you would have, uh, I would have never guessed that the Philippines was such a hotbed of activity with all these different organizations fighting uh, for control. Yeah, it kind of is. and It uh, feels very 1950s, 1960s to me with all of this, all of these groups battling for control. Well, isn't, yeah. Aren't the Philippines pretty strategic? They're like a pretty good spot yeah. to be if you want to do anything in the world, right? Yeah, they kind of are. They're down there close to all the shipping lanes and mm-hmm. you know, South and East Asia and all these things. That's why we have this relationship with us with them. I mean, it's because you know they're they're valuable allies in other ways, but also they're just a great land base to yeah. you know, base our fighters and our ships and everything else. So yeah, kind of a key strategic area. Okay. So, yeah, and this is one of the reasons I, I kind of question the false flag operation because it's like you know, okay, so the U.S. we're going to go in there, we're going to plant some bombs. We're going to just stir up this hornet's nest even more. Now, is that really a good idea in a place like this? place yeah. where you want to have a foothold? <laughs> a place, yeah. Yeah, place where, you, you know, do you really want to stir that hornet's nest anymore? But, well, uh, well, maybe you... D- oh, yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little, bit. That a little yeah. bit more in the theories. But uh, as it's pr- pretty obvious, though, not all these groups that he supposedly had all these shadowy ties to are necessarily compatible. Uh, and also, none of these connections was really well documented. They're just basically hearsay. Loose talk that's printed in the paper. So I have no idea if it's true that he was really seriously connected to all these groups. Then this mystery may be significant, because, especially when you consider the potential of possible involvement of the U.S. government. Question is, is we don't know if any of this stuff is really true. Yeah, and, you'd have to be kind of a mastermind level negotiator to have ins and friendships with all of these groups, yeah. and not have them all mad at him for being associated with the others. You know uh-huh, what I mean? Uh huh. Well. I mean, and it could have been something as obvious that maybe he had contacts with them in, in order, well, I'm going to be like, this is territory that you guys kind of consider to be your territory. 
So I'm going to be looking for sunken treasure and kind of what they think is yours. So I just want to know who to bribe. So making you know? sure he's not trespassing. Yeah, making sure. Just to, inter- uh, yeah, just to sort of want to clear it with the locals. It could have been as simple as that, that maybe he did have some sort of contacts along those, those lines, maybe. Yeah. Because I'm sure in some of these countries, I'm sure we would look at it as, well, I want to look for sunken treasure off the U.S. coast. I'll talk to the U.S. government about it, and that's that. Well, it doesn't work that way in the rest of the world. When there's seven organizations <laughs> yeah. claiming the same hunk of ground? Yeah. It turns out even in America, it doesn't always work that way no, either. No, so. it really doesn't, actually. Yeah. Just in the federal government itself, you'll probably have to negotiate with 17 other organizations. Yeah, and then you probably, you know, state and local governments as well. Uh-huh. And oh, yeah. then some other things, too. Uh-huh, and probably the U.N., and probably mm-hmm. any... Probably some local Indian tribes, and mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. who knows. I mean, yeah. but yeah. So, what exactly was my Michael Myring up to? That is why we call this the Michael Myring mystery. Uh, that's what it's called in the Philippines, as I said. Was he just looking for Yamashita's gold, or was he really working for the CIA, or with some terrorist groups, or was he a master bomb maker, or was he just a mule, or maybe a, a handler for covert sources? And what was he doing there? That's our story. Now it's time for some theories. All right, theory number one. Michael Myring was a CIA agent, uh, part of a false flag operation, as Duterte claims. I think we kind of we covered this a little bit. Well, a little bit, yeah. Of course, you know, as we know, the uh, the FBI mysteriously showed up. They flew him out of Davao uh, three days after the explosion, and later on they get him out of the country. And they allowed him to live unmolested in the United States for you know years afterwards, right? As a citizen, yeah, even a naturalized citizen is yeah, still yeah. a citizen. He's still yeah. a citizen. Still got rights, and so yeah, um, they didn't raise a finger to to do anything about him or send him back to the Philippines to face justice. It <clears> might <throat> have been a good reason for that. Well, yeah, yeah. I was going to say the Philippines justice maybe is not a hundred percent in line with what like you would think American well, justice. <laughs> maybe especially these days, human rights violations yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah, well, especially these days, you know, with all the death squads you keep hearing about, you know, and uh, but of course, on the other hand, uh, Myring was a U.S. citizen who'd been injured in something that looked like a terrorist bombing, and yeah. don't forget, this is only months after 9-11, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Like I said, it, I would assume that my government would come get me. You would assume that they would at least come and, and ask a few questions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that, so that's why the FBI showed up and, uh, and and showing up at the hospital, too, doesn't seem too outrageous to me. And as far as moving him to the hospital in Manila, well, one of the reasons apparently is that a hospital in Davo was not an approved provider under, under Myring's insurance. Oh, yeah, you policy. don't want to be out of network when you've got a <laughs> catastrophic injuries. Uh, the price yeah. tag on that. I yeah. would imagine like that, that, you know, spending a bunch of time in the burn unit is probably very spendy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it could also be that Manila Hospital maybe had a better burn unit. It might be that the hospital back in San Diego had an even better burn unit. It I don't know. It seems likely. But yeah. yeah, but according to the U.S. ambassador who uh, gave an interview, I think in 2005 or sometime, uh, the move was made on the advice of his doctors in Davo. The ambassador also said local police at that time had actually shown no interest in Myring, no matter what Duterte is actually saying. Mm-hmm. All that stuff really showed up in the press later. This is, again, according to the ambassador. It wasn't happening at the time. This just showed up in the press later. It's kind mm-hmm. of a snowball. Yeah. The longer the story goes on, the bigger it gets. Yeah, sure. and of course, when a big a big name like Duterte gets involved in it, then it gets bigger still, because that's a, that's a news story in and of itself, and all that stuff gets recycled again through the news cycle. And there might have been an ulterior motive, too. Maybe the embassy felt that um, if he was suspected of wrongdoing or lawbreaking, that it would be best to get him out of Davo and away from Duterte. Because, let's face it, his his due process, his consideration for the idea of due process is not very strong. Yeah, I was going to say his burden of proof seems way <laughs> lower. Seems way, than... yeah, it does. And so maybe that's what it was. Maybe they felt that uh, he'd get better due process somewhere else in the Philippines. 
Uh, and of course, they couldn't publicly say that. You know, that's not exactly the kind of thing. It's not diplomatic to say that no. sort of thing, mm. really. Uh, but as far as also, but then there's that whole thing about getting him out of the country. And again, I saw this in an interview with the U.S. ambassador. His name is Francis uh, Ricciardone. Sounds good you're, to me. You're the Italian here, Devin. What do you think? That's Close fine. Enough? Okay. That was in the Minda News. I guess that's short for Minda now. Uh, the ambassador said that uh, uh, Myring actually left the Philippines in an above-board way. He was stamped out by the Bureau of Immigration. Those are the guys at the airport. I don't know if you've been to countries where you have to be stamped out. Mm-hmm. But some of them you have to be stamped out. Yeah. And uh, they yeah. stamp you in and out. Uh, they do. And they're the guys that uh, they check the uh, they check the list to make sure that you're on the, the do not let them leave list. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're not on that list. And yeah, they check to make sure you're not on that list. And uh, according to the ambassador, the, the authorities stamped him out and had no issue with him leaving the country. I can't and, imagine, right? You've got a guy on a stretcher or something. He's got no legs. Yeah, They're bandaged up from recent amputation. He's his body's totally wrapped up because he's got third degree burns everywhere. He's you know drugged up, and you're like. Mm, we need to do an interview with this guy. Sir, are you here for business here. or pleasure? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think know. you're going to stamp him out probably. Probably, you know, let him be somebody else's, uh, you know, doctor expenses, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally, yeah. But, yeah, so apparently the charges weren't filed until after he'd left or if they were filed before he'd left, apparently. And this happens a lot in the government. I don't know what it's like in the Philippines. Often one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It may well be that they just hadn't quite got around to notifying the guys at the airport that this guy was not supposed to leave the country. Uh, or maybe somebody just got bribed. I don't know. Uh, and apparently the Philippine government didn't actually officially notify the U.S. government of these charges uh, against Michael Myring until January 2005. Wait, wait. When did the explosion take place? In uh, May 2002. Ha! So almost three years later, they, okay. finally, they finally notified because there was a lot of stuff in the papers. It was a big controversy, but as far as, I guess as far as the government goes... They can't just say, hey, you know, U.S. citizen, we're reading some bad stuff about you in the papers in the Philippines, so we're going to put you on the next plane, and you you better go back there and sort that stuff out. That's not the way it works, really. Yeah. And it's hard to tell, um, you know, I don't, I couldn't tell, but maybe you guys could, what the status of his health was for the remainder of his life. I mean, Uh, when you have injuries like that, sometimes you can just be in bad health until the end. I mean, he didn't live too terribly much. I mean, it was 10 years longer or something like that? Yeah, about 10 years at the most. I have have heard also alternatively that he died in 2006 and 2010, so he could have died. So he essentially fell off the radar. Yeah, he did. And so I I can imagine, you know, also that, like, no, unless you can really prove that this citizen of the United States is Mm, really guilty of something, we're not going to send him, you Mm. know, we're not going to get him on a plane for all this emotional stress. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and so... so, And it's going to have a physical toll on him. Oh, yeah. And he's already ill health. Definitely. I know that flying flying from the U.S. clear to that side of the world, it does take a toll on you, even if you're healthy. Yeah. That that long plane flight, oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so these are some of the reasons I'm a little skeptical about this whole CIA, shadowy U.S. government involvement sort of thing. Um, Another problem I have with this idea is just the way Myring went about things. I mean, he kept a bomb in his friggin' hotel room. Yeah. Which does not make a lot of sense. No. Because it's not not only unsafe, but uh, it's not good operational security. For one thing, it's very damning evidence. If If you get caught somewhere else and they search your... There's been all these bombings, and suddenly you're caught with a bomb. That doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and so I can't believe that somebody who's with the CIA would do something that ridiculous. Also, I you know, it's unclear 
what would have set it off if it were just so unstable. But yeah. that's another good reason to not keep a bomb in your room is that yeah. it might go off and well, you might it. lose your legs. That's a good reason. And yeah. Well, the other thing is that CIA agents, if he was, yeah. don't go around telling people they're CIA agents, which he did. Well, what was he said? It was, they were Christians Christ, in action? Christ in action or something like that. Is what it stood for? It's yeah. Like, no, 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 no that's, CIA agent worth their salt would do that. You know what? Yeah. That's just like those guys who wear the, the FBI shirts, the female body inspectors. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. And they're shirt. like, oh yeah, I'm in the FBI. Like, Chris, yeah, it's the same thing. I, I need to get me one of them. No, really. no, you really no, don't. You really don't. <laughs> you, it, it, well, you actually, Joe, yeah. do you like to get punched in the face? <laughs> oh, Because course, that yeah. might happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The other thing I, I, I really kind of question about this is if, if he was a super secret agent with bomb, you know, bomb making materials in, in his room, he went out of his way to call attention to those boxes to at least three hotel employees, mm-hmm. which also doesn't seem like a break. Because what you're really doing is you're really letting those guys know that there's either something dangerous or something really, really valuable inside those boxes, which kind of, just kind of increases the likelihood they're going to get stolen. Yeah, you want to distract yeah. people or divert people from your thing of important, not point it out. Uh huh. Yeah. So that that kind of flies in the face of reason to keep secret stuff in your room to begin with, but then also to call so much attention to it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then, and then, last of all, of course, what was the purpose? As I already said, you know, the purpose was to gin up public antagonism towards certain groups. Well. Uh, Maybe, but... It doesn't make any sense, though. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean like we said, if, if the U.S. wants to be there, it doesn't make any sense to just get everybody hot under the collar and, and try and tip over whatever regimes are in place well, because you're pretty disag- comfortable there. I disagree with that. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like a really great way to destabilize an area is to really bring the heat on a bunch of, you know, get a bunch of organizations really, really mad at each other. Oh, sure. And then somehow come in and say like, whoa, 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 no. we're peacekeepers. Let's let's talk about this and bring it back down. But well, to get that going. But I mean, that's, a great, that's a great theory. A great, I like that idea, except uh, I don't think we would be accepted as an honest broker in the Philippines. Oh, no, I absolutely one. agree with that. I'm just saying and, as a general theory of yeah. coming into a place, yeah. like we've yeah. done that other places. Well, oh, no, yeah. I, and I, a I, lot I, of other I places. know we've done that a lot, but what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. is that it, it doesn't appear that we would get any benefit from doing that. Yeah, True. It's, it's, well, it's one of those things. In this particular location. It's one of the, well, it's one of those things, too, where uh, you know, unforeseen consequences and all that you go you go stir in the pot like that things might turn out the way you want to but there's a lot of variables and things might turn out way way worse than you want them to be Mm -hmm. so you know probably best to keep your hands off so uh again i i'm not saying this is impossible but i really have a hard time buying this theory i agree i wouldn't i would yeah i'm wholeheartedly buying that okay cia CIA operative we're going to rule that out okay what else? Uh, net theory number two. He was a freelance terrorist doing it for his own reason, or maybe he was under the, the pay of some terrorist group. Mm-hmm. I wish we'd named some of these things. Uh, uh, I really don't see a motive except for maybe sheer Unabomber fun. Maybe just maybe he liked to do this kind of thing. Although it seems like it'd be smarter to carry on a bombing campaign like in your own home country where you blend in a lot better. True. You know, I mean, <laughs> it does, you know, unless. Michael Myring really hated Filipinos, and he really wanted to blow a lot of Filipinos up. Maybe that oh, was Oh, so you're saying it's kind of a, a racist action? Could be that, On yeah. his part? Yeah. 
Maybe uh, maybe some Filipino was you know like like beat up his dad when he was a kid and he's hated him ever since. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, that's really but, that's stretching. Well, it is, and also there's lots. Of, if you want to stay in the U.S., you know, there's lots of Filipinos living here, so there wouldn't be any shortage of targets really. So as far as him doing it for his own reasons, I can't really see that uh, working for some shadowy group. Uh, there was a lot of shadowy groups there, but really, why would they hire him? I mean, he didn't have any special skills, as far as I know. Unless he wasn't a retired spy. No, and he didn't have, judging from what I've seen, his, his bomb-making skills were not that fabulous. <laughs> um, well, he blew himself up. Yeah, he kind of did. Yeah, and so the only thing the only thing I could see where he would be um, useful to them would be as a useful idiot. And there are such people out there. Yeah. Maybe he was the useful idiot. says, guys, I'm really into your cause. What can I do? And I say, ah, oh, dude, yeah, that's okay. Now make some bombs and blow, blow up some people here, 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 and here. Maybe that's possible. He could have been a useful idiot. Well, and know. that ends up kind of being its own false flag thing, right? Because you've got this like dumb American mm-hmm. who's making bombs, and then you can come in and say, "Look at what the Americans are doing." It could have been that. Got to get them out. That would be that would be the best part about it is if you are one of these shadowy groups, and uh, you know, and you want to you know have you know have a cutout, he'd be the perfect cutout because you yeah. could just say, like you said, "Oh, he's an American, mm-hmm. obviously CIA." Yeah. And the CIA is like you know they're don't get me started on these guys because I've got my own differences with these guys as i'm sure we all do but they are kind of the handy the handy just bad all-around bad guy yeah you know they're kind of like in the movies it's like well it's the oil company it's the pharma company it's the cia <laughs> you know it's always yeah. you know it always is you know it's 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 kind of almost insulting to your intelligence yeah i can't really see him being involved with these people because i don't know why they would want him why they would need him i mean they're these are these are, again these are people who are perfectly capable of making their own bombs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get it. Um, and as far as the ML, MNLF card that he had, I, I again as I said earlier, that could have just been a fake ID that he got somewhere, or or had a very very standard reason for having it. Sure, might have made travel in that part of the country more easier. I don't know. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kick that one to the curb and say that theory's no good either. Okay, cool. yeah. Let's go to another one here. Hmm. Okay, theory number three. Uh, he was a treasure hunter, but uh, and he actually did have something valuable, like say treasure maps or something in those boxes. But he booby trapped them and accidentally blew, blew himself up. You know, I mean, entirely possible. Yeah, um, yeah. What? Um, why? Why would you booby trap something like that instead of? hiding it somewhere, uh-huh. you know, rather than carrying a booby-trapped thing that could go off on you at any sure. time, why wouldn't you just dig a secret hole under the third tree to the right? There's and, that. I, uh, um, well, I, you know, and that's... It that just makes more sense to uh, me. Why not keep that stuff, like, in a safe deposit box at a bank, you know? Yeah. yeah. Although, maybe that's what he was doing, you know? I mean, uh, maybe... And this could be why he kept calling attention to those boxes uh, that had padlocks and everything. Because you know, because and like you say too, one of the, the other things about about having that is you know, if, if it does work, then you come home one day and somebody's trying to break into your box and there's this huge bloody mess in your room. Um, yeah, you got to clean that up. Oh yeah, and plus the police might show up too. And then uh, yeah, the yeah. whole thing is literally no pun intended blown. Yeah. But yeah, really serious. But uh, maybe he kept, he actually did keep his secret documents and whatever somewhere else, and the boxes were just a decoy. And he thought, well, I'll just put a bomb in there because if you think about it, nobody's going to come in there and cut the locks off the boxes 
and open the boxes in the room. Not likely. Probably they got to steal the boxes, take them back to their place, and then cut the locks off. And then in that case, they blow themselves up. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was kind of it. Maybe he just thought, ha, ha, ha. It's a know? deterrent. Yeah, it's, a, it's somebody that somebody get blown up, you know, by my bomb, by mm. from stealing my stuff. I mean, that's that that would that would make more sense. Although, you know, even then, of course, you still have a problem, which is that if you've got a bomb, and especially if your bomb making skills are not of the highest order, and maybe you made yourself an ammonium nitrate fuel oil bomb, and you're thinking that the explosive in there is more stable than it actually is, you know, and then one day, you know, just accidentally you whomp your box and kablooey off it goes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but if not made well, it's a rather volatile mix in like temperature and humidity and static electricity apparently can even... Or shock, you know, and that's actually one of the theories that the police had is that that the two boxes were side by side and he might have flipped open the cover on the metal cover on the one box and it banged down on the cover on the other box that had the bomb in it and, and that was enough to set it off hmm. yeah so you know it could be that uh, he had a bomb in there and it just was a little more unstable than he realized and so oopsie so i'm kind of liking that theory a little better than the first two um still it's got some issues yep yeah or another one another possibility this is theory number four uh, is he was a treasure hunter but he blew himself up opening a treasure box that he had found that had been booby trapped by somebody else badly attempted poor poor attempt to diffuse yeah okay so this is possible if he truly was a treasure hunter the, the only issues i have with this i think as i mentioned he had already had some talk about hiring some uh, demolition experts to help him with issues like this. Yeah. So I'm kind of questioning why he would bring a box back to his hotel room. But this, by the way, this is a legitimate theory that's been put forth by people, like in the press. So I'm not just making this up. I was just going to say, I don't think I see it in here. Is there, there's not the theory that the, the boxes were indeed bombs, but that he was trying, he was like keeping them to go use them on a cave or something like that. And he'd uh-huh. taken the boxes, you know, to his demolition expert and said, okay, rig me a bomb. Uh-huh. And then I'll take it to the cave and then yeah. I'll blow it. Cause I don't want anybody to know where my cave is. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to go by myself. So I'll take these, I'll take them back to my room. Uh-huh. Then I'll take them. And yeah. then he, I don't know, accidentally blew himself up somehow. Yeah. Uh, there that is a possibility too yeah um but that you know he didn't make the bomb he didn't really know how unstable it was he went yeah. to fuss with it but he was going to use it for a legitimate demolition purpose that's yeah. possible um i still if it were me i would go rent a storage unit yeah if it were it me there. i would too but <laughs> that's what I'm, i would do you know um, i'm not a dummy so. well yeah. but if if he was going to use it to as you're saying devin do demolition on a site mm-hmm. to recover something i would think that it would be much simpler to just go a Acquired dynamite rather than some kind of what appears to be a home assembled bomb. Listen, uh-huh. I don't know what this guy was doing. Or anything. Uh, I, just, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, just throwing I'm, it out there as a theory. I'm trying to be logical in an illogical scenario. Yeah, apparently. yeah. None of this is really logical, though. I mean, it's right? True. No, there's true. no real good reason for this to have happened. Uh-uh. So no, this I'm is just adding of, another one to the pile. Yeah, it is kind of hard to really make total sense of this story. To yeah. be honest with you. The uh, but your theory is it, it works, except for me. It, it doesn't really make sense to me that somebody would make a bomb and arm the bomb yeah, and then stash it away into their bed or something. That doesn't make sense. But again, maybe this guy was a complete... Well, uh, he might not have really known. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess word, in, my, in my mind, it's, you know, he gets the bomb from the de- demolitions expert and he says, yeah. you know, how do I arm it? And he says, oh yeah, you do it like this. And he goes, oh, okay, cool. And then he's sitting in his room and he's like, I don't, I think, 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to just try it. Uh, maybe he thought, maybe he thought, you know, if I wait until I'm actually out there to arm it, I will have forgotten everything. Uh-huh. So, so I'm going to do, do one of them. <laughs> do a practice run? Yeah. yeah. Or maybe. like, okay, I think it's this, and then accidentally did it and was like, oh, whoops, a, and then see, it just explodes. That's why if you're not the explosives expert, you hire the guy and you bring him along in your little expedition. And then you pay him really well, and, and it's fine. And you pay him well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so that's, but that is a possibility he had, that he had some legitimate purpose for them, but he was just a screw up in the well, way he handled it. Well, I don't them. know that there's no. a, like a legitimate purpose for a bomb like this. Well, sometimes there are certain for operations. For a certain civilian to have a bomb like this. Well, that might have been one reason he needed to like, you know, do it on the, on the DL. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but back to the theory that he was opening up a treasure chest. Oh, yeah, that had sorry. Been no, no, that's fine. This gets back again to our demolition experts. He was, he was talking about contracting with these guys to have them handle these delicate operations, which, you know, having to do with ordnance. And, mm-hmm. and you would think that those would be the guys that you would task with opening up these boxes that potentially have been booby-trapped. Because, let's, fa- let's face it, that wouldn't be a shock. If, yeah. You know, the Japanese had, had left these crates in a cave somewhere. You would expect them to be booby-trapped, wouldn't you? Yeah. I sure would. Yeah. So, you know, but still, why do you take it back to your hotel and pry the box open there? Right. A little continental breakfast, open yeah. up the booby trap, Bob. Yeah. Sounds like a normal morning to me. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess part of this could be that um, he thought they were diffused. Or maybe, or maybe he actually had watched them do it enough. He thought, hey, I can do this. It's yeah. a piece of cake. Yeah. Still, if that's the case, you know, grossly irresponsible to take it back to your hotel to do it. Definitely. You, know, you want to do it somewhere a little more isolated than that, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Although, you know, that Well, he's out... going to blow himself up either way, right? Right, pretty so, much. Although, actually, it works out better for him because if it's somewhere more isolated, he probably just bleeds to death before the paramedics show up. Right. So, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe that's why he did it. Maybe, maybe that's what saved his life. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that he would actually be dumb enough, I mean, I, uh, that to do this. Again, I didn't really know the guy. Maybe he was just that dumb. But the guy was an oncologist. This is not a low IQ person. Although there are, you know, there's, there's, there's book smarts and there's street smarts. Well, and there's yeah. reasoning all between the two. Oh, and... I know, I know. There are definitely people out there high, high, high IQ with not a lick of sense. That's, yep. mm-hmm. You know, it's really, really true. Uh, so that's uh, yet another theory down. Let's go to another theory here, which is that he was indeed a treasure hunter, but as we all know, he kind of fell in with that crowd, the shadowy Manila group that mm-hmm. he was. Whichever one of the with. seven there are. Whichever one of these, what these people they were. I mean, mm-hmm. again, this is more uh, potentially BS. I don't know, but uh, this is the thing about this about this story is that it's about treasure, mm-hmm. and as you all know, whenever the word treasure comes up, immediately clouds of BS immediately rise up out of the ground to surround the entire story. Right. That's one of the things that makes them so fun. I mean, because you, you hear these really fun, cool theories about it. But so later on, sorting out the wheat from the chaff makes it really, really yep. hard. But this this group of people, for reasons unbeknownst to us, decided that they would just you know double cross him and plant a bomb in his room. So maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Again, you know, in the absence of any evidence, and we don't even know who these people were if they even exist. Kind of hard to credit this theory. I mean, you know, if yeah. he had a shadow organization partner. They figure, all right, he's the treasure hunter. He can find the treasure. And mm-hmm. finally, you know, on this day, he finds the treasure. And that's and they we say, don't need him no more. They say, okay, well, you take these two boxes as your finder's fee, uh-huh. right? They're, you know, he, they all look the same, right? 
He opens uh, one and it's got, you know, millions of dollars. And he says, okay, I'll take two boxes of my finder's fee. Mm. No problem. And they hand him one that's a bomb so that uh, he can't ever. So they can double cross him. Yeah. I mean, you know, so that they, you know, ostensibly get rid of him, get rid of any evidence. And also they, they are free to just do whatever they want with the money. And, and there's no one who's not yeah. part of the organization who knows about it or where it was or anything like that. Mm, and yeah. then he, he, you know, sitting in his hotel room thinking, oh, yeah, I have this money. I'm going to open this box. It opens it into a bomb and blows him up. Okay, but doesn't boy. actually quite do his job. It doesn't quite kill him. But, uh, but it, it, at least in that case, it put the fear of God in him because yeah. he, didn't, he didn't squeal on anybody, did I, he? No, no. not I that mean, we know of. Mm-mm. You'd think he'd have a motive because, I mean, obviously this cost him pretty dearly. Although, you know, it is, it is entirely possible that... It, let's just presume for a second that the scenario that Devin just ran through is what happened it's entirely possible that he squealed but he did it to the the u.s government and they used that information in some manner for some their covert benefit. manner mm-hmm. yeah. you know that yeah. we don't you know we're like oh he obviously didn't squeal because nothing happened maybe stuff did happen yeah and it's just we've it just was, never been informed about yeah, it yeah it was uncl- clever enough that we never knew yeah it's entirely possible it might be that uh they were actually able to suss out a connection between the previous bombings of, yeah. in the philippines and the bomb makings that were found the fragments that were left found maybe the, and maybe the Philippines and the U.S. government just sort of quietly worked it out behind the scenes and everybody was satisfied. And they just, they didn't, just didn't tell the president well, of the he Philippines wasn't, and he, he wasn't, keeps screaming. He wasn't the president at that time. You know? Oh, that's uh, yeah, true. He, it, wasn't, it wasn't until fairly recently that he became president. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I, I get a feeling that he's got a kind of a big ego and that part of it is his outrage was just his feeling that he'd been left out of the loop. I'm not going to say, but all I can say is that he's duly elected. If the Filipino people want him, then more power to him. Yeah. So let's come down to our bottom line here on this story. Whatever it is about this bomb, wherever it came from, I think he had some guilty knowledge of it. Because, as you will recall, he did, reportedly at least, tell the police while he was still bleeding and being taken from the room, say, oh, somebody threw a grenade in here. Is there any chance that there could have been a grenade that set off a bomb? Yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, but I, I tend to think that these guys, I mean, these, these, uh, demolitions experts, these guys are kind of like CSI for bomb scenes. Right. And there's a lot of bombs that go off in the Philippines. So these sure. guys probably know their stuff. I just wonder if there yeah. was a bomb in his room. But I see what you're saying though. Yeah. That, that definitely, somebody lobbed a grenade in there. I don't do know it. if, yeah. I don't know if the bigger bomb would cover up all evidence that a grenade even was in there or what? I don't, you the know. Secondary explosion. Yeah. yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but, um, uh, grenades, like they, they create their own special kind of shrapnel. Sure. You know? And, yeah. And so I would think they would have been finding all these pieces of shrapnel, like in his body and, and around the room and stuff. What? That what would be different. What's that? What floor was he on? Do you I, know? I assume the third floor, room 305, but I don't know. Maybe, oh, yeah. in, maybe in the Philippines, in, I mean, some places I hear they number them from the top floor down. So I Well, I mean, know. I'm just thinking, if, okay, well, that's why I was asking. Cause I'm like, if he's on the third floor, you got a hell of an arm uh, well, to throw I, in unless somebody opened up the door to his room and chucked it in from the hallway. I, I automatically assume they threw it through the window. Yeah, it could have been that. It could have been, you know, you get the, the room next door and you just like sort of lean way out the window and fling it in the window. <laughs> Next door, you know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I know how I would do it. I would get the room next door, the subtle guy that I am, and I get a sawzall and I would saw it. I would saw a grenade-sized hole through the, 
that connecting door, mm-hmm. and then just push a grenade or two through there, you know, and yeah, oh, it boy. would totally catch them off guard. It, they'd just be going, like, what's that noise? And, <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd hear this thump, 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 they said, oh my God, grenade! Uh, no, just kidding. Anyway, the... Uh, okay, so the story, probably the unlikely... Is, Honestly, though, I don't. I don't think there was a grenade, okay. and I think that uh, I, I think that he was trying to mislead the police, which indicates to me that that he probably was blown up by his own bomb. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't think he was doing it for the CIA or some local terrorist group, um, and I don't think he was a master bomb maker. No. So maybe he was just playing with bombs for his own ends. I mean, there are people that do that. I mean, I knew a kid in high school who blew himself up making a bomb. Yeah, I knew a kid who yeah, all did us, some serious damage to his hand. All of us knew somebody in high school who blew himself up, don't we? I mean, maybe you don't. Not I don't me. know. Maybe it's more of a, an older generation thing, and kids today aren't so much into that stuff. But when I was a kid, it just seemed like every class had a, had a, a dead kid from a bomb. Yeah, yeah, we did kids from other stuff. Yeah. yeah, no, I was going to say, the one I knew didn't die, but he, he, screwed, he screwed his hand up pretty good. Yeah, that's why I stay away from that stuff. Yeah. Um, good idea. And all our listeners, you guys should do that, too. Uh, so stay away from the bombs. Uh, so, yeah, I think that he knew something about that bomb, but beyond that, I just can't say. I don't think he was a super secret spy. I, yeah, mystery to me. But, yeah, so I think we can put that part of it to rest. He was not with the CIA. The government, the no, US government. I don't know what yeah. the heck he was doing. I, I mean, there's just the reporting on this just makes it so tough. The Philippine reporting gets more and more inflammatory, it does. to the point that I, I can't help but question every single statement that's made. Yeah, I know. I know. So I, I really, I don't know where I stand on this, other than I feel bad that the guy was in the middle of an explosion. Yeah, and lost his legs. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean the, uh, but like you say, the reporting on it is such, and I'm not saying that Filipino reporters are any worse than American reporters. No. But they just went out and found some people who who claimed to know this guy and just basically printed whatever BS these guys told them. And of course, Myring himself might have been, probably was, a total BS artist himself. If he truly did say all the things that he said, these things that he said to people, I mean, I think yeah. he was. Total blowhard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Agreed. Yeah. And so it's kind of amusing. This guy was telling these tall tales, and then it turns into this international incident. And now our relationship with the Philippines is seriously kind of in question. It's like, really? <laughs> uh, so anyway, hopefully, Rodrigo Duterte, if you are listening to this episode, first of all, sponsor us on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> second of all, subscribe and leave us a rating. And third of all, you know, take, a, take this all to heart. All right, that's about it. Uh, you, um, any, any more theories on you guys' part? No. Okay. Um, uh, so you probably want to know, you probably, if you are Duterte or anybody else, you want to know our email address? Well, it is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. So by all means, send us your thoughts. Um, also, you want to know where to find us, because obviously you haven't found us yet, because you're not listening to us. So find <laughs> us on iTunes. Uh, also, if you find us there, uh, give us a rating and a review. We love those five-star ratings, please. Um, and also remember to downvote the bad, the bad reviews. Downvote those guys, please. Uh, you can also find us on streaming services like Stitcher. That's a big one. Uh, and a bunch of other ones. We have a website, uh, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, where you can also find our episodes. And there's also merch. Link over there on the right. You can buy mugs and T-shirts and uh, something else. I don't care. What, what else can you buy over there? Other things. Uh, yeah, other things like uh, chup- Chupacabra Nightlights. Do we still sell those? Uh, I think so. Okay, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, we are on uh, social media. Facebook. Uh, you can find us out there, Thinking Sideways Podcast. We have a group and a page, so 
like the page, but join the group. And so, answer the questions. Oh, you got to answer the questions. Don't forget that. But Correctly. Lots, yeah, lots of fun stuff going on in the group. We are on Twitter, where we are thinking sideways. What's going on on Twitter, Devin? Nothing. Okay, perfect. That's why you want to be on Twitter with us. Yeah. Uh, we are on Reddit, where we are, again, thinking sideways. And, of course, this is kind of a new thing. We're on Instagram. Yay. Yay. Yeah. And our handle there is not Thinking Sideways. Our handle is Thinking Sideways Podcast. Again, it's Thinking Sideways Podcast everywhere but Twitter. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So, But, uh, yeah, there's somebody else called Thinking Sideways on Instagram. Ignore those guys. So that's about it for this week. Uh, until next week, uh, whatever they sell in, say in the Philippines. This one was a blast. Bye, guys. Dudes. Dudes. <laughs>